Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is Monday, May 13th, 2019. To begin, the purpose of this webinar is twofold. To introduce the work of triangles to those who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. And also to create a platform for people who are already members of triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. Three people form a triangle by establishing a line of lighted, loving communication between themselves and agreeing to work and vivify that triangular link every day. Three people link together as a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the larger framework of the planetary network of triangles, and as that network is visualized, the great invocation is sounded in order to release and circulate spiritual energies through the etheric network and into the consciousness of all open hearts and minds who can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day, and it can therefore be fit even into even the busiest of schedules. So as we do each week, we're going to now take a brief moment with a, a simple visualization followed by a sounding of the mantra of light on your screen. Lift your consciousness and focus yourself firmly upon the mental plane. Look out over the world, seeing it as one of light, with here and there points and centers of intensified light. See the energies of this network of light pulsating to the rhythm of human aspiration.
regard yourself within this planetary network as a channel among many channels transmitting the energy of the spiritual hierarchy. Imagine the potent love energy pouring through the network of light, stimulating the many points and centers of energy and transforming the pulsation of energy into the rhythm of the planetary heartbeat. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. We've moved now into a week of safeguarding, preparing ourselves as a group for the Waysak Festival, which takes place on Saturday, May 18th at 5.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The Lucis Trust will be live streaming this event as part of our annual Arcane School Conference here in New York, which we encourage you all to join in if you can, and you'll be able to find a link on our homepage as we get closer to the event. Wesak, as you know, is a high point of the spiritual year. It is the festival linked with the highest spiritual center on the planet, the center Shambhala, and it can therefore be highly stimulating. And so it's very important that we work together as much as possible as a group. Each year at this time, it's said that at great sacrifice to himself, the Lord Buddha returns to bring a blessing to humanity. To help us prepare for this event, I wanted to share a few thoughts about the practice of spiritual reading, which is highlighted in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, 
one of the key principles whereby the seeker after truth is able to achieve the goal of union with the soul, or as it is expressed in the first sutra, om, or union. For we all need roadmaps to tread the path, techniques we can follow when starting out on our journey. We need direction from those who have followed this way before us, so we too can find our way and then become as light bearers to those who follow. For until we find the path, we lack direction and all too often wander aimlessly, distracted from our goal, pulled in many directions, which too often lead to cul-de-sacs, dead ends, and to seeming superhighways that promise quick and fast results for a hefty price, but which in the end often lead to wasted time and sometimes even to danger. This practice of spiritual reading, then, helps us gain clarity, helps us to step off the treadmill, going round and round in the web of personality wanderings, and to place ourselves instead under the guidance and the direction of the soul. To read spiritually is accomplished through the use of the mind, by making that mind into an instrument of light, leading to awareness of those things that concern the soul's realm. This concept of spiritual reading is taken from the first sutra in the second book of the sutras. The first book lays out the goal and the obstacles to be overcome in the Raja Yoga system of training. But in book two, students are presented with the steps to be taken whereby union with the soul can be achieved. And Patanjali taught that one of the key means for this realization is through the cultivation of this spiritual reading. So what is it? As the commentary in the Light of the Soul states, spiritual reading has reference to the capacity of the mental body to see back of a symbol or to touch the subject lying back of the object. Eventually, every form in the three worlds come to be understood as a symbol or the veil of a thought. A human being, for example, is one such symbol veiled by a personality and its three lower vehicles. An astrologer is someone who uses this symbol of an astrological chart, another symbol, to translate that which is the essence of a person into words that will serve to help the individual in his or her journey. So too, the goal of spiritual reading is to help us cease identifying with this outer symbol and to identify instead with the inner reality, with the essence, the true idea that contains the spiritual potential. Clearly, this spiritual reading is not an easy thing to do, particularly as we move into a seventh-ray age when the form can easily take on too much importance, distracting us from the underlying meaning. But just like with the learning of any new skill, 
with practice and discipline, new ways of seeing and understanding eventually can become possible. To become a spiritual reader, we must first come to the understanding that we live in this world of unreality and that all that we see and experience is distorted by our own perceptions, which are part and parcel of that unreality. That's why the Buddha, in his Four Noble Truths, asked us to get beyond that sense of unreality by seeing through the veil of desire, which he saw as the root of this unreality. So we work at the harnessing and eventual illumination of the mind with the light of the soul so that this underlying reality can be revealed. And as that soul illumination occurs, there naturally ensues the ability to read that which lies all around and within with an increasing fluidity and accuracy, freed from lower disturbances and separating veils of the astral and lower mental planes. To free ourselves from distractions is a challenge, however, in today's world. But it does appear that many people are beginning to make time for it, time for soul culture. They're learning to be present, to be mindful, to fast from technology, to share with others. And as a result, some people are becoming stream-enterers, the name given by the Buddha to those among his followers who through discipline and a keen willingness to learn were able to rise above the choppy waters of the astral sea and enter into the stream of water blue where soul and mind unite. Other hindrances that stand in this path to reaching spiritually to reading spiritually, as Patanjali said, include the sense of personality, the sense of desire, hate, and attachment. The hindrances have for eons of time prevented all of us from realizing that we are in reality sons of God. But when we view these hindrances dispassionately, we might wonder why they are so difficult to cast aside for clearly these states of consciousness are not desirable, and we know it. Why then have we allowed them to send us blindly into the far country, as the Tibetan wrote, to eat of the husks of mortal existence? It would seem that the answer to why we are bound and not free can only be found far back in the annals of our ancient planetary history, were in certain abrogations of spiritual law, cast our planet into a situation that has resulted in much hardship and suffering to all life forms. It's through the ability to recognize these hindrances for what they are and to see through them that we can begin to see more clearly and come under this guidance of our soul. Spiritual reading is a practice which moves the seeker through all levels of development, from the reading of symbols within the physical world or effects, to the ability to penetrate into the world of meaning, of causes, and to come to know the reality underlying the form 
and eventually, at some point, it leads as well into an ability to move into the higher world of significances. As spiritual reading is cultivated, we learn how to live the dual life, as did the sannyasins of old. Perhaps at this preparatory period for Waysak, we could all benefit from following the sannyasin path for a time at least. In days past, the sannyasin was he who, having fulfilled the duties of the scholar and the householder of the family man or businessman, was now called to other purposes and goals. In olden times, such a man left his home and went out into the world seeking the master and ever teaching as he went. Today in the life of our Western cities, the so-called jungles of the West, the sannyasin has a different mandate. He or she is not asked to leave home, nor to leave behind all the familiar scenes, negating his or her outer usefulness. Instead, the seeker after truth remains to fulfill his or her duty. But within himself, there is accomplished a great change and reorientation within consciousness. He now stands free while surrounded. He works in the subjective world while active in the exterior world of affairs. To achieve true detachment while rendering to all that which is due. So as we travel during this sacred period within the annual cycle, let us do so by keeping in mind the Tibetan's counsel to stay within the radius of the light and wander not down the accustomed byways. So now let's work with our meditation. Let's link in thought as a soul, as a point of light and love with all those people throughout the world who are also working with this Triangles Meditation Group. So as we reach up into the highest center, Shambhala, sound together the affirmation of will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men.
using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Lift the consciousness higher still to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle.
hold the group mind open and receptive to the inpouring energy of love. Visualize light and goodwill circulating around the triangles from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere.
As we repeat each stanza of the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work to be done by the words that will be poured out. And let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And if anyone has any thoughts they'd like to share about the theme, spiritual reading, or perhaps 
any other thoughts or questions they might have about the work of triangles, you can do so by posting a message in the chat box or by clicking on your name on the participants box and then we will unmute your microphone and you can share audibly. Thank you, Ginny, for your participation. Uh, Sharon writes, I'd like to know more of the spiritual reading. Is it something like tarot readings or is it reading the symbols appearing in your life? Well, it's not just one thing, but it's not specifically really related to readings um, such as tarot readings, although certainly the ability to read in that way is only possible if, if you have some understanding of symbols. So certainly that can aid in our ability to, to read spiritually. But yes, it's more about the letter comment, reading the symbols in your own life, and in the world, for example, being able to read and see behind the, the events of the day and to see spiritual meaning in them rather than just getting caught up in the foreground and the controversies and the disharmonies that are everywhere abounding at this time. And to see that really uh, underneath all this, the spiritual plan is working out. Suzanne writes that it's spiritual reading is certainly related to the unfolding of the intuitive mind. Yes, thank you. Um, Myrna writes that spiritual reading is a real thing to understand. Yeah, it's, um, it's said that a master of the wisdom is certainly an apt spiritual reader and can, when he looks at his disciples, he doesn't have to read uh, what they've written or what they've analyzed, what they've spoken to get a sense of their contribution through their spoken and written words. Instead, he is able to see that whole symbol of their thoughts and words in, in, a, in a symbol, which is often, he said, a distorted symbol influenced by the lower uh, astral and mental planes. So it makes us, makes us understand, though, however, somewhat the ability to see in symbols. We're told, for example, that the Great Invocation was contained within the inner planes, the Akashic records, in the form of seven ancient symbols or word forms, 
that then the Tibetan had to translate into words that would be most adequate for humanity's use at this time in planetary consciousness. So, and Blavatsky talked about the same thing because she translated documents as well from these Akashic records. And they were word forms, you know, often containing astrological symbols using the different elements and colors and animals to mean certain things. So a spiritual reader, because as um, someone, Suzanne said, we have to develop the ability to, to read in this new manner, and it can only be accomplished through the building of the Antikorana, which leads to the intuitive plane. Malia said, I was hearing reading as in reading and absorbing the mantra quality of the blue books. Well, yes, that certainly is an aspect of spiritual reading, which leads to the ability to expand the contours of our minds, and therefore we can read more fully in the outer world as well. But yeah, I was just reading a passage. I don't have the quote with me right now. Um, in relationship to the Tibetans' comments about reading, particularly the 14 rules for disciples and initiates in the Rays and the Initiations, he asks us to read beneath the surface of the words and to seek out a deeper meaning. He asks us to read with a depth of feeling, like feeling meaning more intuitive feeling, and to put ourselves in a state of consciousness and deep pondering whereby we can perhaps expand our consciousness and understand a deeper meaning of these rules. And particularly he says this in, in Rule 14, which we and the Arcane School are working with and using as our keynote for the conference this year. Uh, Kaya wrote, apparently the second ray is the ray with a strong relation to symbols in the creative process. Well, yes, it is the, the ray related to quali the quality aspect where symbols, uh, the higher symbols can abound. Uh, David writes, this is fundamentally the meaning of Patanjali when he uses the expression spiritual reading. It really signifies reading with the eyes of the soul, with the inner vision alert, to find out that which is sought. It's from Intellect to Intuition, page 96. Eugenie writes, Interestingly, the silence allows us to understand both substance and matter. Thank you. Camille asks where I can find... The 14 Rules. Uh, there, there are two books oh, where you can find the rules. Interestingly, the first book written by Alice Bailey with the Tibetan, which is Initiation, Human and Solar. He gives the rules for applicants, but they're actually very deep, and I'm not sure they're just for applicants at all. And then he gives a higher correspondence to those 14 rules for disciples and initiates in the last book, which they wrote together, the first part of the last book, The Rays and the Initiations. 
Uh, Rashwita, thank you very much for your good wishes for the upcoming New York Arcane School Conference, which again is this weekend. And anybody who wishes to attend either in person, you can just come find out the information on our website. Or if you wish to participate in the live stream, you just go to lucistrust.org on Saturday and there'll be a link there. Um, Sharon asked how she can get a copy of the recording. There's a, a copy in the beginning of this chat box. If you scroll up, you should see it there. Sam writes, thank you. It reminds me of the blue books and working towards acting as a soul by our understanding of our oneness. Yeah, thank you. And if you can't find the transcript, Michael has offered to send it to you if you put your email address in the chat box or your name. We have your email. I see Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Kathy. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I just wanted to ask um, whether you would consider the interpretation of world events in terms of their spiritual significance, if that would be considered um, spiritual reading. I know the yeah. Yogi Sutras don't exactly mention that maybe, but I'm wondering what, what, you, what you thought about that. Yeah, I actually did mention that. Um, okay. I definitely think that is part of our our responsibility, of course, as disciples in training to see the undercurrent of the plan of love and light running like a thread throughout the events of the world, trying to see things from the perspective of a broader vision rather than, it's not that we shouldn't hear the vision of our broadcasters and the print media, but we have a different um, understanding perhaps that can bring a deeper resonance with the soul, the emerging soul. Mm. Did you have any Thank thoughts? Thank you. Oh, I was just, I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know how entirely coherent they are. But I guess just what's on the forefront of my mind is that, you know, the, you know, thinking about the significance of world events, it really seems like it requires somebody to have really a vision of what the plan is, you know, the plan that's formulated in hierarchy. And that seems like such a, a kind of high bar, somewhat sort of kind of unattainable for a lot of us. But um, the way you just described it is really um, hopeful because, you know, it really is on another level, just the plan of love and light. And I think shifting our perspective from, you know, the, all the clamor and, you know, and uh, discord in our public discourse today towards a perspective of just seeing the larger picture in terms of its spiritual significance, even if we can't really necessarily see the whole, see the whole significance, even if we don't have that vision, even if our intuition isn't entirely, you know, complete or active. Um, I, I can see from your talk, especially in what you just said, how that really changes changes things and how that is significant, just just changing your perspective. So thank you. Thank you. I, I think it's helpful to 
to remember one of the comments that the Tibetan made, which I find hopeful, <laughs> you know, and it's also in the Gita, whenever there's a withering of the law and uprising of lawlessness on all sides, then I manifest myself for the firm establishing of the law. Um, there's another line that says, and I come forth from time to time. So it is this, um, all of the degradation and the challenges in our world, the Tibetan says is the clearest sign that the externalization and the reappearance are on their way. And so this collapse that we seem to see everywhere is, is a really actually a, a very positive thing. Because it's waking up many people. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Rebecca writes, is another level of spiritual reading attempting to see the face of God everywhere so that everything in the world is a symbol of something behind? Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've just about ended our time today. So, oh, someone asked the exact time of Wesak. It's on Saturday, this coming Saturday. May 18th at 5.15 p.m. in New York. So that would be 10.15 p.m. in the UK, 11.15 in Geneva. So particularly the eight minutes leading up to Waisak, the exact time when the Buddha hovers over the Waisak Valley in Tibet is the time of most spiritual significance within the year. So it's a really positive time to link up and free yourself from distractions <laughs> at that time. So let's just take a moment now, a moment of silence before we close. Thank you.